Inshallah, we're going to start up in one minute, Inshallah. One minute and we're beginning, Inshallah. Barakallah feekum. Just want to ask, uh, as I usually do, all the brothers uh, that are uh, against the wall, um, come forward, come forward. Tazahamu, tarahamu, come forward. And even if you need the wall for your chairs, um, it's coming. Uh, you could take the chairs and come forward. Come forward, come forward. You could bring your chairs forward. Ah, come on. All the brothers that are up against the walls and up against the sides, ta'alu, come closer. Gibul karasi ta'alu, if you need them. Tfaddalu, tfaddalu. Come closer, guys. Come closer. Uh, sisters, you're also welcome to come towards this way as well. Inshallah, this is, inshallah, one of the hilaq of Jannah, bi'idnillahi ta'ala. Brothers in the corner over there, come forward, come forward. Bring a chair and come, man. Bring a chair and come. It's okay. And then uh, if someone by the doors over there, if people plan to stay outside, if you could just close the doors of the, towards the musalla, that way um, uh, anyone outside, we won't hear their noise. Jazakumullah khair. Tayyip. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد أشرف الخلق وسيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا سهلا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم أخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم إلى الفهم وأكرمنا بمعرفة العلم وزين أخلاقنا بالحلم يا أرحم الراحمين um, ameen, ameen. Inshallah, we start off with a dua, praying that Allah Azza wa Jal gives us barakah and blessings in our discussion, in our night that we're spending in the masjid, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts it from us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us, makes us steadfast upon iman, uh, and th that He gives ease to us, everyone in bala and trial, and that He gives ease to the Ummah of Muhammad in the East and West. Allahumma ameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت سبحانك كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم صلي وسلم على حبيبك وعبدك المختار سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم ربنا اهدنا واهدي بنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى ثبتنا بالقول الثابت في الحياة الدنيا وفي الآخرة أصلح اللهم أحوالنا واستر عيوبنا واختم بالباقيات الصالحات أعمالنا خذ بأيدينا إليك أخذ الكرام عليك اللهم خذ بأيدينا إليك أخذ الكرام عليك ثبتنا اللهم بالقول الثابت في الحياة الدنيا وفي الآخرة اللهم إننا نعوذك من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا اللهم ربنا إننا نعوذ بك من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا اغفر لنا ما قدمنا وما أخرنا وما أسررنا وما أعلنا وما أسرفنا وما أنت أعلم به منا اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم عنا على صيامه وقيامه على الوجه الذي يرضيك عنا واكتبنا فيه من عتقائك من النار اللهم فك الكرب عنا وعن كل مكروب من أمة حبيبك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم يا غياث المستغيثين ويا مجيب السائلين فك الكرب عن إخواننا المستضعفين في غزة وفي فلسطين اللهم انصرهم نصرا عزيزا مؤزرا اللهم أمددهم بمددك اللهم أعينهم بعونك اللهم انصرهم بجند من جندك اللهم انشر عليهم من خزائن رحماتك وبركاتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم يا ربنا كلهم ناصرا ومعينا ومؤيدا وظهيرا اللهم انصرهم على القوم الظالمين اللهم رد عنهم عدوان المعتدين وظلم الظالمين اللهم أبرم لأمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم إبرام رشد يعز فيه أهل طالب 
بطاعتك ويحكم فيه بشريعتك اللهم ردنا إليك مردا جميلا اللهم ردنا إليك مردا جميلا والله we call upon you, praise you, beseech you we ask you by your names and attributes to make our hearts steadfast and firm upon guidance and upon iman to fill our hearts with the beautiful characteristics of iman to fill our homes with the nur of iman we ask you Allah to guide us and to guide through us to guide us and to guide our children and our families and to forgive us for our many shortcomings Allah forgive us what we've concealed and what we've made public forgive us what we've put forth and what we've delayed forgive our transgressions against our souls Ya Rabbil Alameen we ask you Allah to beautify our souls with Iman we ask you Allah to make us agents for change for the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bless us to see goodness develop and manifest for the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the East and West unite our hearts upon Iman unite our hearts upon Iman and give charge of our affairs to the best of us not the worst of us Ya Rabbil Alameen we ask you Allah to give victory and support to our brothers and sisters in Palestine and Gaza we ask you Allah to support them and to give them victory over their oppressors we ask you Allah to rid the land of corruption and we ask you Allah to make them full of hope and full of inspiration and full of iman and yaqeen to remove from their hearts sadness and fear to remove any notion of despair to remove any notion of despair from our hearts and from their hearts and we ask you Allah to give them nasran mubina fathan mubina we ask you Allah to make the best of our affair the, 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 the best of our affairs the last of our affairs the best of our days the last of our days and the best of all days the day we meet you and you're pleased with us ya rabbil alamin amin amin وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين أما بعد جزاكم الله خير uh, for attending for another session of our Friday forums um, and uh, tonight we have uh, an important discussion with uh, dear Sheikh uh, that's from our community uh, Sheikh Ismail the discussion is going to be about the power of positivity uh, I just want to ask if someone could please uh, it seems like there's distress calls going on from downstairs Allahu uh, Alam what wars are being waged downstairs but uh, if the doors could please be called uh, closed um, it seems like something intense is going on but anyway uh, uh, tonight the discussion is going to be about the power of positivity and how Iman teaches us all to be full of hope and um, it removes from our hearts any sadness that would lead to despair yes um, and, 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 and loss of any hope from the heart of the mu'min, that's something that the mu'min does not ever, ever seek to entertain within. Uh, so, but before we get into that discussion, uh, I do want to uh, mention a few announcements, uh, just as a reminder for the things that are happening in the masjid, and um, the things that um, you all could take part in, inshallah. Uh, one of these uh, reminders is... We're in Muslim Heritage Month, and on the end, uh, at the end of this month, on the 31st of January, there's going to be an event in ICPC Patterson. It's going to be on Wednesday at 6 p.m., Wednesday, January 31, this coming Wednesday. And our beloved Sheikh Qatanani uh, is going to be honored by the city of Patterson for his many years of service um, and, um, and guidance and direction. So it's and it's in celebration of Muslim Heritage Month. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful occasion to be with the masjid there, inshallah ta'ala. Please join us. Jazakumullah khair. Um, the next uh, event that we have going on, we have a new class starting up with our beloved Sheikh Qatanani uh, throughout the month of February. Uh, it's going to be on uh, Wednesdays 
in the morning, from 10.30 in the morning to 12 in ICPC Patterson. It's about tarbiyatul awlad fil Islam, raising children. It's every single Wednesday of the month. And for those who can't come on Wednesday morning, you can watch the live stream later on, inshallah. Uh, we have our courses that are happening. We have every uh, Sunday in the masjid here a few things that happen. Uh, the first of them is the new Muslims class. Today, uh, this coming Sunday, it, which is the last Sunday of the month, we have a special event for uh, new Muslims or considering Muslims. It's the monthly social. This month, it's going to be a town hall. Uh, for, for converts, for reverts, just to get their feedback, their input on what can we do as a masjid, as a community to continue to develop the momentum for uh, the, the programs that we have for, for new Muslims. So uh, join, it's every Sunday at 12.30 p.m. So when the monthly social is not happening, we're having a Basics of Islam class um, and that's uh, with myself inshallah, you're, you're all welcome to join for that as well. Uh, on Sunday, we also have our new course that started up. Uh, it's about Amthalul Qur'an, Parables of the Qur'an. That's every Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, we uh, started two weeks ago. Uh, this Sunday is going to be the third session. We're basically taking ayat from the Qur'an um, that, in which Allah Azza wa Jal gives us parables and uh, examples uh, to reflect on. Uh, and these uh, Amthal are a very beautiful, inspiring doorway uh, to actually connect with the book of Allah. And in preparation for Ramadan, this is a golden opportunity. I want to prepare for Ramadan and build a meaningful connection with the Quran. I need to know how to access the book. The Sunday class is meant to help us do that, inshallah. We also have something else that happens after Isha on Sundays. Sundays at 8 p.m. That's a class on Hadith Sciences, uh, Mustalah Hadith for brothers. Um, it's a brother's halaqa with myself. Every Sunday after Isha, you're all welcome uh, to join for, uh, for that, bidnillah. We have a special uh, event coming up in mid-February. It's February 18. It's a one-day intensive. We did a one-day intensive in uh, November. We're going to do another one on February 18, inshallah. It's going to be about the beginning of guidance. Bidayatul Hidayah. This is a book by Imam Ghazali. And it goes over critical things that are in the beginning of the journey to Allah Azza wa Jal. I want to know how to journey to Allah. What are the critical things that need to be in mind as I tread this path? Join us. It's going to be uh, uh, on February 18, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. And um, inshallah, we're going to be going over that book, bi ta'ala. Again, uh, these are the main announcements that we have. There's a lot of other things happening at the masjid. Uh, we also have every Wednesday happening in the masjid here, um, uh, a sister's halaqa. Uh, with Ustaz uh, Farah, and it's, uh, it's at um, 7 p.m. So sisters are welcome to join that halaqa that's every Wednesday, inshallah. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bless the effort. And brothers and sisters, we're ramping up now for Ramadan. Ramadan, believe it or not, is um, a little over a month away. That's all it is. It's, uh, you know, within six weeks, we're going to be in the blessed month of Ramadan. So we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bless us to witness it, take advantage of it. And um, uh, strive for his pleasure through it and in it. Allahumma ameen. So uh, inshallah now we're going to begin our um, discussion um, with uh, Sheikh Ismail. And um, you know before I ask Sheikh Ismail a few questions. Now, of course uh, like we do usually have. We have the Slido here. If you guys want to send your comments or questions. I will incorporate that in the discussion we're about to have. 
But, um, you know, as an intro, uh, the reason why we chose this subject is because right now we're over a hundred days in with what's happening in Gaza. Uh, and um, it's still continuing. <coughs> and it's very devastating. It's very difficult to see, to follow up with. And, um, you know, all the efforts that we've tried, people have tried boycotting, people have tried um, protesting, people have tried reaching out to elected officials. Um, there's been that, uh, you know, you guys, how many, I'm sure we've mentioned it here in the Friday Forum before about the, uh, the ICC, the Inter International Criminal Court, uh, the case that's being brought against Israel for its genocidal attack on Gaza. You guys are all following that? Everyone following along with that? So um, there's been a lot of efforts by individuals, by organizations, by states and countries and the, the outcries are falling upon deaf ears. The people with the power and the military are still raging on. The, the oppressive apartheid state of Israel is still insistent on doing what it has been doing in Gaza. And it's not being deterred by anyone or anything. And um, we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal uh, gives our brothers and sisters in Gaza um, victory over their oppressors, uh, our hope is in Allah, and we want to make sure that we never allow um, despair to f creep in, because with all of these efforts, um, it's easy to have a pessimistic outlook, or it's easy to start giving up, or it's easy to start feeling a sense of weakness, or what can I do? I've tried everything, and um, it's just not changing. Uh, the, you know, the airstrikes are still happening, the bloodshed, uh, and, and, you know, what else can we do? You know, are we just hopeless and helpless as an ummah, as a people today? What should be my attitude in the present moment? That's really the question for, for, this, uh, for this Friday forum. What should be my attitude in the present moment to what's happening there? And how does that trickle down to everything else in my life? Power of positivity, it affects the way I look at what's happening around the world. And you know what? It actually affects every decision, every interaction I have on a personal level in my private life. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to fill our hearts with hope. And, you know, I don't know, Sheikh Ismail, if you, uh, you know, if you have a few words that you'd like to open up with. But I guess before I ask you to share those words, uh, how many of you guys know Sheikh Ismail? Raise your hand. How many of you guys know? Not many. So, uh, you know, in fact, Sheikh Ismail is born and bred from this community. He's a very dear friend of mine. He studied um, many years in Al-Azhar. He graduated from there. Uh, he actually worked as an imam in uh, Florida. And uh, he led the community there for two years? Three, two, years, yeah. three years. Three years, mashallah. And now he's back in New Jersey. I'm going to give him uh, you know, uh, a, a, you know, an opportunity to just share, a little bit, <coughs> share with us a little bit about you. And then if you have any opening thoughts for the discussion around positivity, Shaykh. InshaAllah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salam tasimun kathira. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with beneficial knowledge and to increase us in taqwa and to grant us uh, knowledge that changes the state of our hearts a knowledge that brings us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a knowledge that we act upon and a knowledge that will be a proof for us and not against us on the Day of Judgment, inshallah. With that being said, I'm originally from New Jersey, and my mother and father actually uh, met at an Islamic conference, and they got married in ICPC Patterson. 
a week after they opened it. So my mom and dad were the first couple to get married, and they had their wedding there. Yeah. The first? Yeah, I think, yeah. Allahu Akbar. After they it. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be a Jewish temple. Yeah. It used to be a Jewish yeah, temple, yeah. <laughs> So then uh, my father is originally from Iraq, and my mother is Palestinian. And uh, they uh, had me, and then I was born and raised here. And I went through life as an American kid here in uh, New Jersey. And then uh, uh, there was a dear friend of mine. His name is Dr. Imad Hamda. He was the youth director of ICPC Patterson for about 10 years. And he had a strong, profound effect on me in my life and many people. I think he had a strong, profound effect on three generations of Shabab. The generation before me, my generation, and the generation after me. And then Dr. Ahmad eventually moved to Orlando, Florida, where he took a job as a professor. And then I went and I followed him there. <laughs> but uh, Dr. Ahmad had a strong effect on me. And then I went to Egypt to study uh, you know, Arabic and Quran. And I don't remember knowing what Al-Azhar was. I didn't, I didn't go to Egypt to study in Al-Azhar University because I didn't know what it was. Back when I was growing up, everyone used to speak about Medina University, Medina University. Uh, that was the popular thing here in America. But uh, when I started praying and practicing and going to the masjid every day, I felt like I was bankrupt and I was uh, impoverished because I did not know any Arabic and I, did not, I wasn't able to read Quran at all. So I couldn't enjoy worship and I wanted to understand the Quran badly. Uh, and I, I had a newfound love for the Quran and I used to listen to a lot of uh, Quranic tapes that I brought on uh, Bradford Place Street in Newark. There's an Islamic shop there. And I used to go to Rutgers, Newark. I went there for one year. And I stopped listening to music. I was like, no more music, Quran only. So I went to Bradford Place, and there's an Islamic store there. And he had these old cassettes from Abdul Basit, Abdul Samad, and Minshawi, and Husari. And then uh, I had an old car. It was a 1997 Toyota Corolla, so I didn't have a CD player. So I brought, uh, I brought about 20, 25 cassette tapes of Quran. And then I just fell in love with the Quran, and I never looked back. I only just listened to the Quran, listened to the Quran every day from these three reciters, Husari and uh, Abdul Basit and Minshawi. And I really really fell in love with the Quran, like really fell in love. And I felt really, really, uh, like I said, impoverished and poor because I didn't understand what was being read, but I loved it. And it was much better than Hot 97, Power 1051. So uh, <laughs> the Quran really seeped into my heart and it really made me really, really happy. And uh, I wanted to read Quran and memorize Quran. Uh, so that's why I wanted to go to Egypt. So I was asking around, no, I didn't want to go to Egypt. I wanted to go anywhere. I wanted to go to Saudi Arabia. So I applied for the Islamic University of Medina and alhamdulillah, they rejected me because alhamdulillah, everything is good for the believer. <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, they rejected me. Allah He's saying alhamdulillah for another reason, you guys know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, alhamdulillah, they rejected me. <laughs> now everything is good for the moment. Or else you, know? you wouldn't have got to drink from a nil. Exactly. That's Shripped the point. That's nil, the point. Right? And I would have never chilled with you behind Azhar <laughs> and get to know you intimately, you know. Alhamdulillah, everything happens yeah, for a reason. They, they, they say that... Yeah. Uh, uh, whoever drinks from the Nile goes back to her, yeah. right? So you River. We drink from the Pasik, we were raised on the Pasik River. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Nile, uh, aside from the hepatitis, yeah. Yeah. is better than the you know Pasik River. Honestly, the Pasik River tastes way better than the Nile water. <laughs> <laughs> the Nile water is really like chlorine infested, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, alhamdulillah, I drank from the Nile. And one time I was leaving Egypt, actually. I was leaving Egypt after my first year there. And the plan was I was going to come back in three months to continue because I fell in love with Egypt. I'll never forget it. It was a hot day. It was always hot there. And there's no air conditioning. You just melt. So <laughs> I, I, was, I was in the foyer of this center I was studying in. I was in, like, the lobby. 
And the center was across the street. Like, it was like an apartment building. So the right-hand side is the center I was studying in every day, the Arabic center and the Islamic study center. And on the left-hand side, there was a printing company. There was the print, like, blueprints for, like, engineers. And I remember I just purchased the water bottle from down the street. By the time I got to the end of the street, the water bottle was hot. And I walked into the, I walked into the, the printing shop because it was open and he had a fan on. And the, the, my, the center I was trying to go to was locked. And this guy was there, and he's staring at me because Egyptians, like, uh, they, they could smell a foreigner from a mile away. So he said, where are you from? I said, America. And he goes, no, really, where are you from? I go, no, no, well, I'm American. And he goes, oh, yeah? And he's, like, asking me, why would you come here, this, that? And I'm responding to him. And he goes, and you drank from the And I go, no, I drank from the And he goes, you're going to come back to Egypt forever. <laughs> that's what it's funny. That's what the joke he was making is if you drink from the Nile, you come back to Egypt always. <laughs> yeah, but going back, I applied to the University of Medina, and they didn't accept me. But I still had this thirst to, uh, to go study overseas. I wanted to study Arabic and Quran. So I didn't know Al-Azhar University. So I was asking around. And there was another brother with me at that time. We kind of grew up together. His name was Muhammad Rahman. He's a Bengali brother. He's from Patterson as well. And we were doing Ramadan that year. Taraweeh and uh, Artikaf. And we used to do Artikaf on the second floor of ICPC Patterson with Abu Naim and Amu Fikri and all the old school crew. So uh, we both wanted to study. So we said, let's go and find out how we're going to study. We asked around, and everyone said, oh, there's a guy, his name is Sheikh Osama. He just graduated from Al-Azhar, and he's here this summer, and he has a contract with ICPC to run the Ramadan programs at ICPC Patterson. That was before they brought Clifton. And uh, you should go speak to him. And I said, oh, okay. So I've heard about Sheikh Osama, and I've seen him before at a youth camp, but I didn't know him that well. But they said, oh, go talk to Sheikh Osama, go talk to Sheikh Osama. So me and Muhammad Abdurrahman, I'll never forget it. I have the memory sharp in my mind. Sheikh Osama was preparing for a class he was giving. MashaAllah, Sheikh Osama, he's an encyclopedia. And sometimes when you have something, sometimes when you have something, you don't know what you have until you lose it. So we ask Allah to keep Sheikh Osama healthy always Amen. and to increase him in everything that's good and to increase his family in everything that's good and to protect him and his family Amen. and to keep him here with us on ICPC. Yeah. Because wallahi, he's a gem. And you don't know what you have until you lose it. And Sheikh Osama is 10 out of 10. I've, it's rare to come across people like Sheikh Osama. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge and he's sincere. And if you have those two things... It doesn't get better than that. You hold on to that with your molded teeth. Uh, so going back to that, we went up to Sheikh Osama, and he had a book open, and he was sitting against the wall on the back wall, ICPC Patterson, and we sat down, and we asked him uh, about uh, studying Arabic in Egypt, and he just smiled and said, Ahlan wa Sidi, no problem, of course. Yeah, we can help you out, no problem. And he was so happy. So I said, oh, this is good. And he said, let me put you in touch with Sheikh Yasser Fahmi. So he put us in touch with Sheikh Yasser Fahmi. It's a long story. We go to Egypt. And the guy that was meant to pick us up from the airport there at 3 a.m., he doesn't come. And I don't know anybody in Egypt. And we were stuck in the airport for two hours. I don't know if I ever told you this, but <laughs> after two hours, the guy comes. It's like 5 a.m., he comes. And he's like, Merkaz uh, Alim? And I go, Naam. And he's like, oh, come. And he took us to the apartment. <laughs> are, you te- are you teaching us about your journey to positivity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took us to the beautiful apartment. Everything's beautiful in the eyes of the woman. So. <laughs> I remember that very well. Anyway. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Uh, speaking about positivity, the person that has iman in his heart is different than the person that does not have iman in his heart. And this is very important to understand because the person of iman, he sees things differently. His perception is shaped by iman. And his perception is shaped by Quran and sunnah, revelation, you know. And a revelation is something beautiful. It gives... Life to a dead heart. The same way rain gives life to a dead earth. Wallahi, the revelation is insane. You, know, you read the Quran and it's just amazing. And it gives you hope. Why does Quran give you hope? 
And why do I say the Quran gives hope? Why do I say that? Because I'm talking from personal experience in my life. People I see that have iman, people that are steadfast on salah, people that love Quran, people that have a daily routine of reading Quran, people that are close to Allah, people that are in the boundaries of Allah, people that stay away from haram, their lives are always happy and optimistic. They're always smiling and bashful and happy, no matter what their situation in the world is. And then you have someone on the flip side, and he doesn't have iman, he doesn't have salah, he doesn't have Quran, he doesn't have these beautiful things in his life. He's void of these beautiful things, these things that grant happiness and optimism and hope. And he's always miserable. And I'm talking first-hand experiences, life experiences, like people that have nothing dunya-wise, nothing impoverished dunya-wise, but rich in the heart. And the Prophet he says that indeed the true richness is the richness of the soul. When you're rich in the soul, you're happy in the soul. You're content with what Allah gives you. That's all from Iman. And then the Prophet he said, richness is not just the business money and Bitcoin and $25,000 in your banking. No, that's not richness. Richness is richness. The, the richness is not, that's not richness, the Prophet says. Richness is richness of the heart. Being content. And you could be the richest person in the world and have a house in Monaco and in Dubai and in Sydney, all nice areas, you know, nice dunya areas. And you could be miserable. You could be miserable. And that's because we said happiness is not contingent. It's not contingent on money and finances and dunya. It's contingent on your closeness to Allah and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I knew uh, many people in Egypt from different countries. I had many, <coughs> I had many friends from different countries from all around the world. And that's because I lived in the Islamic mission city. It's called Al-Madinat Al-Ba'uth Al-Islamiyah. It's called Islamic mission city. It is the foreign student's accommodation, or in English, in America, we say the foreign student's dorms, the dormitories of the foreign students of Al-Azhar. There is about 3,000 students there, foreign students from different countries, Pakistan, Nigeria, Niger, Mali, Senegal, Gambia, Benin, uh, Somalia, Kenya, South Africa, Indonesia, Thailand, Fiji, like from everywhere, Russia, Dagestan, Ingrosetia, Shishan, all over the world. I met people from all over the world there. And uh, they were not the richest people, but they were the happiest people I've ever met in my life. They were the happiest people I ever met in my life. I had a friend of mine who was from Sudan. And I just, I always think about this guy every day in my life because he really changed my life. Like he changed my perspective. I cannot complain when I think about these people. I cannot complain. How can we complain in America? You go to the bathroom and you turn the water on, it turns hot in one second. Hot. Cold. Yeah? I had a close friend of mine, his name is Sheikh Yusuf. Uh, his parents named him Yusuf because he was the most attractive of all his kids when he came out. He was beautiful, so they called him Yusuf. <laughs> he was Sudani. He was from a place called Um Darfa. His village in Sudan was called Um Darfa. It's uh, a part of the, uh, the, the county of Damazin in southern Sudan, not south Sudan. That's a separate country. I'm talking about southern Sudan on the border of Ethiopia. There's a Nile there called the Blue Nile. So he lived on the shore of the Blue Nile, Nil al-Azraq. And on the other side is Nil al-Abyad. And then the Blue and the White Nile, they, con they combine and they go up to the normal Nile that goes up to Egypt. So he was on the Blue Nile side. And why I'm talking about him? Because we're talking about positivity, power of positivity, Iman shapes positivity, Quran grants positivity. I've never in my life met someone always happy and has nothing in the world. Nothing. He was poor. Always. Like he has nothing. His father passed away in his hands six months before he came to Egypt. And his mother passed away in front of him giving birth to his younger brother. He witnessed both his parents pass away in front of him. He buried his mother and his father. He has like six brothers and like six sisters. His six brothers are all father of the Quran. And he as well is a hafad of the Quran. And I used to always have intimate conversations with him. He was my best friend. And he's still my best friend. And I just spoke to him this morning before I gave the khutbah. Yeah, I was just talking to him. I haven't talked to him in two weeks. 
I said, what happened to you? He goes, I'm in Tunis. Anyway, that's another story. But, but that's another story. But <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> this brother really had a profound effect on my life. And I don't stop thinking about him every day. I think about him. I remember him and I love him. Because he was someone that really lived in the Quran. His father was a Maliki Sheikh, a Sufi Maliki Sheikh from his <coughs> village. And his father was a, a teacher of the Quran in Maliki Fiqh. And uh, his father raised him and his brothers all on the hill of the Quran. So I used to ask him how, because one time I asked him a question. We were praying Taraweeh together, me and him, every single day during Corona because there was no Taraweeh during Corona. And I know he's a strong Hafid and I want to pray Taraweeh. So I used to pray with him in his room, me and him. And one time he told me to lead. So I was asking him, oh, what page is that on or something? Surah Anbiya. I was talking about what, is it, what page is that on? He goes, page what? I've never seen a Mus'haf. I don't know, how, I don't know the page. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I, I memorized the Quran orally, like on a, on a loh. I used to write it down. And I said, how did you used to memorize the Quran? He said, we used to memorize the Quran in our village by, uh, there's no electricity and no running water. They live in huts that they I built. Yeah. No electricity, no running water. The Nile, the Blue Nile is about three miles from the door of his house. What they do is for the kids that are in the phase of memorizing the Quran, they, uh, they command, they wake up the kids, the muhafid, the guy that teaches the Quran, he wakes up the kids at 3 a.m. or whatever, two, three hours before Fajr is. And they like the, 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 the wood that they gathered the night before. The wood that they gathered the night before, they light it on fire, and now it's warm. And that's their source of light, and they memorize the Quran, and they begin to do their hivda at this timing. And the rest of the day after Fajr is, is revision. So after Fajr and after Asr and after Isha is revision. Hivd Jadid, the new, the new batch of memorization that you do with your shaykh is the two, three hours before Salat and Fajr. And how did they memorize? Because they had no money and they had no masahif, they have no Qur'ans. They would uh, have a, a wooden loh and they would write into the loh the new page. So he goes to his teacher and his teacher reads to him the new page and he memorizes the Qur'an this way. And he memorized the Qur'an that way. I said to him, so uh, how did you use the shower? And like, like how do you drink water and everything? There's no sink. I'm interested in this. For him, it's oh, Adi. We go to the Nile and we get a bucket of water after Fajr. I go to him, how many miles is the Nile? He goes, it's like an hour and a half walk. And I said, oh, and when you come back, the water doesn't fall? He goes, not fall sometimes. Full bucket and it comes back like 75% bucket. Subhanallah. And I, I realized like why they love Egypt and they love the dorms because I was miserable in the dorms. Like the dorms for me, there was no air condition and there was no hot water and in the winter in Egypt it gets cold so it's really cold to take a shower in cold water and I have to go like heat up a, like a kettle to put hot water in a bucket it's like a 10-15 minute endeavor it's a long and these guys are smiling doing it smiling smiling and then the kettle breaks and then they open the wire of the kettle and they do something with their teeth and they put the, 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 the electric shock into the bucket and it becomes hot like they know they're always happy with everything they do and they're always content and they're always happy and positive because they come from a more difficult situation it's better than walking a mile and a half and coming and getting water and I guess, uh, yeah. Sheikh, yeah. you know, uh, I, you know, as, as Sheikh Ismail is talking and I'm reflecting on his words, uh, <coughs> you know, I think one of the things that, you know, th these types of experiences highlight is one of the ways to become more positive about life is to experience more things in life. You know, we have yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. first world problems, right? Oh my God. A lot of us were thinking about, all right, what type of upgrades should I choose between? Should I upgrade my phone? Should I upgrade my car? Uh, should I buy new furniture? Should I do this or that? Should I this is what I'm thinking about. And you know what? Uh, I'll order something on Amazon. It'll come right to my doorstep. And if I don't like it, I'll just take it to the UPS store, ship it back, and order something else. And the cycle over and over and over again after that. It's, it's like, these are first world problems, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. You know, but when you think about 
what people are going through around the world is just, you know. Um, it makes your problem minuscule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it lessens your problems. It, you know, really, like, what's, what's really bothering me and getting under my skin, you know? Like, uh, what am I allowing to frustrate me and, uh, um, you know, uh, take a toll on my mental health and all that? You know, I, I need to think about these things. These are, you know, what Sheikh Smail is saying here, I, I remember one of them yeah. sharing with me, uh, one of my friends, he was from Chad, uh, 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 and uh, Sheikh Sharif, his name yeah. was. And, uh, you know, for them, uh, Masr was considered Jannah. the peak of Hadara. Yeah. Like Umm al-Hadara, if they want to go to a lively city that's like full of uh, the, the most up-to-date things in civilization, they'd go to Egypt, right? And then for us, if any of us, um, huh? Not anymore, huh? لَا بِنِسْبَ لَهُمْ هُمَّ لِسَّ أُمِّ الْحَضَارَةِ لِسَّ الْحَضَارَةِ بِيَقْطَعَ وَالْمَاءَ بِيَقْطَعَ بِسْ Yeah, but, but really, really, just th- think about that. And then when we think about, you know, our experiences, how many of you guys go back home? How many of you guys have a country where you go back home to? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. A lot of you. A lot of you. Uh, this might be very common to your ears. Parents might be able to attest for this. Oh, we dread going back home. Why? Because, oh, the internet connection is like this and my phone doesn't work like that and, uh, and Mish'arif, everything. Just life is difficult. It's not as luxurious as it is here. So I hate going back over there, right? A lot of people, that's their experience. But, you know, when you think about that, you know, I need to... The only way my, I'm going to be able to thicken my skin is if I don't allow myself to live in privilege. You know, you know the... the I really think this is the key for the people of Gaza. You know, they at every single level in life have been liberated from privilege. Wallahi, privilege is this shackling thing. Because as Sheikh Ismail was saying it, a lot of this stuff is about perception. Liberated from from privilege means what? I'm entitled to this. Entitlement. I deserve this. Uh, You know, this should be... Easier for me. I, uh, Allah should treat me like this, right? This should be happening. Why isn't this happening? I, a sense of entitlement, right? When you have a sense of entitlement, you know what? Life's depressing at every corner. One of the stories when you were talking to Sheikh that came to my mind was one of the Salaf, he relayed this. Uh, he was passing down a street and there was this man is uh, disabled, right? And he was sitting on the side of the street and um, uh, he was repeating something to himself he was saying alhamdulillah so what was he saying he was saying alhamdulillah that allah didn't test me like he tested many people and he gave me his fadl and he gave me more than he gave many people and this man is disabled he's fully disabled he can't move he's not mobile and he's just repeating this to himself and this righteous man asked him why are you saying this when to everyone else, it looks like your life is one of the most difficult lives. So he said, Alam Didn't he give me a tongue to be grateful? And didn't he give me, didn't he give me a tongue to, be, be, to remember him and a heart to be grateful with? Well, that's perspective on life. Wallahi, it's all traced back to perception. Positivity, negativity. It's not about what you're going through. Your circumstances are not what make you positive or negative. No, your choices make you positive or negative. I choose to be positive. I choose to be negative. I choose to be hopeful. I choose to be despairing. Everything that happens on the outside, that's, that's secondary. 
It's secondary to those realities. Those are a few things no. that came to mind, Sheikh. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And the Prophet The Prophet also, we learn from the Prophet he used to love optimism. Optimism. Uh, good omens. And he used to hate pessimism. So being pessimistic is not a good thing. It's not cute. It's not cool to be pessimistic. Some people are like, oh, I'm pessimistic. Yeah, some people are like, oh, I'm pessimistic. I'm like, I'm pessimistic. Like something cool. It's not cool. <laughs> What's cool is what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to do. And the Prophet Sallallahu was always optimistic. And always uh, looking like to push people's spirits up and to say good things. Meaning like always looking at the good in any scenario. You know, always looking and saying something nice, an uplifting word. And the power of your speech and what you say to someone, it has a strong effect. It has a strong effect. There's a hadith of the Prophet and I love this hadith so much. And that's that, uh, indeed, the slave, he may say something, and he doesn't even think twice about what he's saying. And it could be the reason of his demise. Sakhatillah, right? And he could go into the depths of Jahannam due to this word, ma He didn't even think about this word. And this is a really scary hadith because we talk a lot, like always talking. Like you're on the phone, you say something to someone, or you're in passing, you say something to someone, and you go, you get a coffee after, you don't even think about it, and you go sleep, you wake up the next day, you don't even think about it, and that guy's being hurt, and he's being torn apart from what you just said the day before. But it's good to uplift people, being uplifted, an uplifting source, because the, the flip side of the hadith, and, and indeed the slave, he may say something from Ridwanillah, from the pleasure of Allah, and it's his, and for that word that he said, لا يلقي لها بان, and he didn't even think about the word he said, but it was nice and optimistic, he uplifted someone, and that person was happy on the flip side, and the conclusion of that is, and it's raising his ranks in Jannah. So the, the mu'min, if he doesn't have something nice to say, he shouldn't say it. And the mu'min should always look to be uplifting to people. Like you go to the store, you go to shop, right? And the worker at the cashier is not so happy. You as a Muslim, you should want to uplift their day and smile on their face. And you're wearing a hijab. They see you're a Muslim. This is the greatest form of da'wah as well. This is the greatest form of da'wah as well. You should be a proud Muslim, you know? And optimistic in everything you do. You want to uplift people and uplift spirits. You want in your head every conversation you have with a stranger or a passerby in your heart. You say, if this person was on the verge of suicide, I hope that on the reason why he'll never commit suicide. You be optimistic. The Prophet used to call to optimism. And being optimistic is something we're gifted with iman. Because the moment is always happy. The moment cannot be distressed and sad. You know, we go through ups and downs in life for human beings. We go through difficulties in life. And we go through tests and tribulations in life. And everyone is tested with something different. You know, someone's test is he cannot get married. And the other person's test is that he's married. And the other person's test is he wants children. And the other person's test is his child. You know, subhanAllah. Everyone is tested with something different. And how do you cope with this? Alhamdulillah, we said, Alhamdulillah, we have iman. Alhamdulillah, we have salah. Ya ayyuhaladina amanu sta'inu bisabri wa salah. Inna Allah ma'asabirin. Allah, he gives us a nice medication in the Quran to deal with problems and to deal with calamities or to deal with a good remedy. You know, seek assistance and through patience and prayer. You know, istainu, istiana, seek assistance through patience and prayer. Indeed, Allah is with those who are patient. Yani, ma'iyya khasa, Allah is with the one who is patient. The one who is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sheikh, uh, one of the devastating uh, stories that came, I don't know if you heard yeah. about it, but uh, in the past week, I believe, I, I heard of a story coming out of Chicago or nearby Chicago of um, a father uh, killing his wife and three daughters. Inna lillahi inna ilayhi raja'un. Fa'alan, a Muslim family. And um, it's, it's a very tragic thing to think about. You know, um, how could things escalate to that point? But to, to be honest, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in the world that if we don't process them right the right way, they could easily lead us down the road of despair. 
you know, that type of situation it just shows you what anger could do to people, what rage, what uh, situation. You know, a lot of things happen in people's personal and private life. What am I allowing it to do to me? You know, is it eating away at my core or is it actually making me a better person? Like we got one of the questions that came here, Sheikh. Um, uh, how, do we ma- how to maintain a positive attitude on what's happening in Gaza? Sometimes I feel bad because like, I feel like it's hard to digest everything on, uh, on, on social media. I, I think you guys are, you guys are aware um, uh, of uh, uh, the, uh, the Pasig County Sheriff in this past week uh, uh, was found uh, in uh, Toros restaurant actually uh, with a gunshot wound that appears to be self-inflicted. Uh, it's very tragic. It's very tragic to hear stories like that. You know, what could drive people to do things um, that are just like so unimaginable? You know, uh, mental health is important for us as Muslims. One of the biggest things that helps with our mental health is our iman. You know, I need to keep this, you know, I need to keep this in check. You know, because if I don't un- allow myself to maintain a level of positivity, there's no way I could live. There's, and there's a lot of people who reach that point, yeah. right? That they don't want to live, right? Uh, you know, even with things that are happening in, you know, in Gaza, how do I make, I don't know how would you address that, but I think, um, I think part of it is I need to rewire how I'm looking at things. You know, uh, a bad circumstance does not necessarily mean um, that, I need, that, that it needs to lead to depression, uh, no, in fact, the Prophet Sallallahu life was riddled with difficulty. It, you know, it's not about what you go through. It's about how you choose to respond to it, right? And I think, that, you know, this is a note that we've harped on in many of our different talks. But I think that this is central to it. I need to rewire it. What would you say, Sheikh? I would love to hear what you would say, Sheikh. Uh, how to maintain a yeah. positive attitude yeah. on what's happening in Gaza. You know, I really think that we need to rewire ourselves. Life in this dunya is not about living easy. No, no, in fact, you might find the greatest lessons that you'll ever learn in life came from the most bitter things you could have ever been through. That's a reality of dunya. I need to allow myself to embrace that. You know, I need to allow myself to take that in. What lessons could I possibly learn from the most bitter situations that I go through? And, you know, the situation in Gaza is extremely, extremely taxing. But to be honest with you, I think it's awakened the hearts of many people. Yeah. And I've, I think it's inspired us, each and every one of us, that, you know, I need to do, uh, I need to break out of my silo and I need to grow in different ways. I need to be part of change. I need to contribute to the Ummah of Muhammad Wasallam and many different ideas that are becoming more prevalent among people uh, people today. That's how I would answer it. Yeah, I, I think it has awakened the spirits of many people, and I think many Muslims that were not practicing, they became practicing due to what happened in Gaza and their sense of feeling like they are uh, not doing too well in terms of their deen and wanting to come closer to Allah. And also about people that were non-Muslim to Islam a lot as well, because people are seeing a lot of uh, truth on social media due to the new gadgets that people have. You know, not just being brainwashed by normal media. Absolutely. There's another question that we have here, Sheikh. Uh, uh, how can I have a better and positive experience and outlook before Ramadan starts? Uh, uh, a positive outlook before Ramadan starts? In what sense? A positive outlook on what? Um, I, I think what they're basically saying is, well, okay, I want, you know, my iman right now looks like this. 
and I got six weeks to go, nice. uh, how can I be positive before the month comes in? Nice, I like this question. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, go for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ramadan is like a marathon. You know, you see a person, you go to the Roadrunner shoe store, and they're talking about all the different types of shoes. I went there the other day to get a shoe, and she asked me, what are you planning to do? What marathon are you running? I was like, what marathon? I want, <laughs> I want a comfortable shoe. <laughs> But the same way the marathon runner prepares for the marathon throughout the year. You know the marathon runner? He prepares for the marathon throughout the year because he has to get his body in a certain type of state. And he goes and he buys the nice $200 shoes and he goes and he does that. And he gets everything he needs to get done in order to run a marathon. If you take your dean to this importance and you place your dean on this pedestal, you, you know, life is amazing. So Ramadan is around the corner and we want to prepare for Ramadan. Ramadan is the month of the Quran, and the Ramadan is the month of fasting and goodness, and Ramadan is the month of family, and Ramadan is the month of food. It's a really beautiful, amazing month. It's the month of the masjid as well. Everyone comes to the masjid. You know, the, the Ramadan is strange. Wallahi, it's amazing. The month of Ramadan is like a magnet of good, and the masjid is also a magnet of good, so it's a double magnet. And Ramadan in my masjid in Florida, the masjid is always filled with someone. There was always people in the masjid. It was amazing. Like people you never see throughout the year, and they become in, in Ramadan time. But in order for someone to gear for Ramadan or prepare for Ramadan, I would say is to add things into your daily life that you're not doing already. And I would say the first thing I would say personally is to have a connection with the Quran and the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to set crazy goals, to do something that's just realistic, you know. And I say this because we have smartphones and gadgets that could be the greatest thing in the world or they could be the biggest curse in the world. It could be used for good and it could be used for evil. And uh, I think self-discipline is important. I think Islam comes to teach us self-discipline, you know. Five daily prayers is discipline. And Ramadan is discipline. And, you know, giving from what you like and, like, giving money that you have to give is discipline. Islam comes and it institutes discipline in everything. There was three brothers that converted with me and my majid in Orlando, and they were all Marines. They were all ex-Marines. And I spoke to all of these brothers intimately on their own. One of them, he was a personal trainer at some gym. I used to go visit him in his gym. The other one used to come to the majid all the time. All three of them said similar things to me. Like, it wasn't like they were together. No, no. They all said, yo, Islam was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. And I said, why is that? They said, it's like, it's like being a Marine. Like, it was the perfect mix. It was the perfect mix. I was a Marine. We woke up every day at four. We did this, this, that. We had a regimen. We ate this way. We did that and that. And then I became a Muslim. And it just fit perfect. It just fit perfect. The Muslim is a disciplined individual. So, you know, like, you talk to someone, you say, oh, in Islam, this so-and-so. And he's like, no, I just can't do that. No, what do you mean you can't do that? You could do whatever you want, brother. You could do whatever you want. The same way you could go to do something bad, you could go and do something good. It's all about discipline and wanting to do something truly. So the first thing I want to say is how they resolve to want to do it, to want to read Quran, to want to get close to Allah. This is the most important thing because if you don't have this resolve, nothing else is going to come. You have to want to do something. You have a brother, he smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. I said, brother, you have to quit smoking. He's like, I can't quit. What do you mean you can't quit? The same way you're smoking, you could stop smoking. You could do whatever you want. The human being is strong and dignified. Allah says, we have dignified the son of Adam. The human is dignified. You do whatever you want. Now, in order to start something small, in order to, to, to exceed or to do good on Ramadan, I would say is to start reading Quran. And you download an app on your phone, but it's even better to not use your phone. It's even better to put your phone on airplane mode. And then you put it in your top drawer under your undershirts or whatever you have on your top drawer. You put it under there. And then you go to the other room and you close the room door because you have to make boundaries between you and your phone. Once you put boundaries between you and your phone, you can pay attention better. And then you can open a physical copy of the Quran. English, Bangla, Urdu, read the Quran in any language. Of course, reading Quran in Arabic is the best. If you could read Quran in Arabic, that's amazing. But if you're going to have difficulty reading Quran in Arabic, and then you're going to get lazy and you're going to give it up, read the clear Quran in English. Read it, read it in the language that you're going to benefit from it. And read and ponder on the Book of Allah and increase your love for the Book of Allah. 
and have an intimate bond with the book of Allah. Start from the beginning, you see Surah Al-Fatiha, the opener, why is it called Fatiha? Then you go to Surah Al-Baqarah, and then as you're reading Surah Al-Baqarah, you're going to ask, you're going to be inquisitive. You're going to say, why is it called Baqarah? You're going to get to the ninth or tenth page, and you're going to see that uh, there's a mention of a cow in Bani Israel. Oh, that's why it's called Baqarah. And you continue to read Surah Al-Baqarah, and you say, wow, Surah Al-Baqarah has 30 themes in it? I never knew that. Surah Al-Baqarah talks about this, and it talks about that. I never knew that. And just start reading Quran and set like a daily time when you read Quran in English or in any language, you know. Of course, reading Quran in Arabic is much better. But I would, that's my personal advice. I would say start to implement things that you don't usually do in preparation for Ramadan. And Ramadan comes, inshallah, every day you read Quran. Every single day you read Quran and you read a lot of Quran. But I like to say this all the time. And that's because you can't gain love for something if you're not good at, like if you can't read Arabic and you don't understand Arabic. And you get put off and you just don't do it in totality. No, read it in English. Read it in English and benefit from the Quran. And ask questions, you know, you, when you read the Qur'an, you start to ask questions and you start to be amazed. When you start reading the Qur'an on your own, you start to get goosebumps. Because every time you read the Qur'an, you see that Allah is speaking to you directly. You're like, wow, I was just thinking about this today. And Allah mentions it here. And that's going to happen every time. The Qur'an is a miraculous book. The Qur'an is a miraculous book. It's amazing. You get goosebumps. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Allah is speaking to me. Every single time I read the Qur'an, every single time I read the Qur'an, it's like something that I was going through that day, Allah, he, he mentions it in the Qur'an in front of me. And every single week, I read Surah Al-Kahf on Friday. Every single week, I, re I read something new that I didn't see the week before. And I memorized the Surah. How? How is that even possible? Quran is miraculous. It's amazing. Everyone should, you know, you know and try to have an intimate bond with the Quran. Yeah? And, and then once you read the Quran and you, and you get to certain eyes of the Quran, where Allah, he prohibits certain things. And Allah, you know, he's, alcohol is haram and pig is haram. And when you read it in the Quran directly, it hits different than when your mom tells you every day of your life going up that, you know, this is haram and that's haram. When you read it from Allah, it hits different. Then you... You, 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 you make a love for the Qur'an. And once you have this love for the Qur'an, you won. That's it, you won. Because then you're going to read Qur'an all the time. And then Ramadan comes and you read Qur'an day and night. Instead of going on Netflix and wasting eight hours. You know, oh, human beings, alhamdulillah, we can have fun sometimes, you know. But like, not the whole day. The whole day goes to waste. You know, yeah. do something productive. Yeah, I would say that and I would say come to the measures more often. Because Ramadan comes and we measure every day. You know, come to the measure more often. Then when Ramadan comes, prepare yourself not to care about food. Like, food is not the goal. You know, alhamdulillah, when you fast... By the time iftar time comes in, by the time iftar time comes in, you don't have an appetite anymore. You force yourself to eat. Like, you're forcing yourself to eat. No, Allah, you force yourself to eat. Like, when, when iftar time comes in, I'm forcing myself to eat. I don't have to eat. Like, you, I'm hungry the whole day, cranky the whole day. And then, like, 10 minutes before Madhav comes, I'm done. I don't even need to eat. Like, it's like, that's killing your nafs. The whole concept of Ramadan, it just comes to kill your nafs. And then you find so much happiness not eating. Like, so much happiness not eating. You're like, I'm, I'm amazing. I don't have to eat all day. And then you go outside and you go to high school and you go to college and you deal with people outside and they say, oh, you're a Muslim, you guys are fasting from morning to night, no, 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 no food and no drink. How do you live? And you say, wallah, I'm amazing. It's amazing. Sumu to suhu. The Prophet he said, fast and you receive health. Like you become more healthy when you fast. Wallahi, after the month of Ramadan is over, everything in your body is better. You're, you're mentally stronger, physically stronger, sharper, everything. And you're like, I wish fasting was prescribed the whole year, wallahi. Because I just give it to my nafs every single day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Ramadan, by the way, is um, is actually uh, is actually a really good example of how positivity can really, really uh, spiritual spirituality inspires positivity. Uh, it, you know, I think probably many people feel it when you invest yourself in the month, you feel different. It just like it has this different uh, breath of fresh air to it. Uh, you know, it induces something inside you. That wasn't there. Ramadan's special. And, you know, Ramadan's special because of the things we experience in the month. Not just because of the time frame. Yeah, the time frame is blessed. Yeah. And it's special. But the way that we're actually, you know, say, imagine this. Imagine someone um, 
absolutely does nothing in that month. No, no, no fast, no prayer, no Quran, no dua, no nothing. Do you think that they're going to feel the special spiritual fulfillment that we feel when we do Ramadan the way we do it? No, of course not. Of course not. But, you know, I guess this takes me to that point. You know, I think, I think being positive, you know, it requires an investment. You know, just as people are ambitious with their work and with their school, I need to be ambitious with my soul. You know what? There's nothing that, can, that is too big to be figured out. I just need to have the will to do it. You know, and, and you know, subhanAllah, Prophet Sallallahu you know, he tells us that, you know, um, um, there are certain realities in dunya, in our dunya, that are actually easy things in themselves. But sometimes it becomes difficult to the person, uh, you know, to actually do it, right? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, When someone came to him with a question, he said, you're asking about something, something great. But this issue is actually easy for those who Allah makes it easy for. There is this reality in dunya where you will find some of the most intense experiences in this life altogether are made easy to individuals and some of the most simple tasks, you know, very mundane tasks are made absolutely difficult to other people. You know, we ask Allah to make good things easy for us. Amen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa to make difficult things easy for us. Right? That's, that's a part of the dynamic and the reality too. Things aren't necessarily difficult in themselves. It's really the capacity I have to manage those things. It's a very relative idea. Again, you will find this in dunya very, very, very commonly. Some people, you know, uh, f figuring out what to eat for the day is the yeah. most difficult thing in the world. Or like mm -hmm. go through a, uh, oh, should I do that? Or no, should I do that? Oh, no, I think I want to do that. Or what, or what about that? Or should I this back and forth? And, and, and it becomes this very difficult thing to figure out when, you know, when sometimes, uh, you know, Real problems, Allah Azza wa makes it very, very easy for, for some people in affliction to deal with them and digest them. So I think it's a relative concept. There was another question here, Sheikh. I don't know if you have. Um, how can one maintain a positive mindset after experiencing hardship or failure? I don't know if you have any thoughts for that. You want me to start? You want to piggy bank off what I say? No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. Uh, how can one maintain a positive mindset when you experience hardship or failure? Realize this. Um, uh, success in life is a culmination of several fail failures that I've gone through that have uh, directed me down the right path to success. That's what it is. You think anyone's born successful when they come into this dunya? No. There are appearances of success. That people associate, people associate success with what? Money, right? Power, position, um, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh, you know, respect from people. Some people perceive these things, they're appearances of success. They're not necessarily success. No one's born into success. If I want to build success, how do I build success? Well, you know what? I have to be willing to fail in order to succeed, right? That's, that's the reality of it. You think that... Fath Mecca came from day one for the Prophet ﷺ. Even when you look at Khayrul Khalqi Ajma'in, the Prophet ﷺ. He had to, and of course we don't view these as failures. You know, let's just, um, uh, I guess, uh, reimagine this idea. There are perceived failures and there are perceived successes. And then there's true success and then there's true failure. What is true failure? What is true failure? Let's, how would you guys answer that question? 
What's true failure? Huh? Alright. Alright. What does that lead to? Right? True failure. True failure. Alright. Well, I might be ba'id al-yom. Inshallah, Rabbna bihdini bukra. What is true failure? Right? Uh, not trying again? That's a good answer. What do you want to say? You're going to say, uh, true failure is not trying again? Okay, that's a good answer. Who else has something to add? Jahannam. There you go. That's what I was thinking of. True failure is finding yourselves at the gates of Jahannam. That's true failure. You know what's tr- true success? Jannah. Entering Jannah. That's what the Quran describes. The Quran describes making it to Jannah. That's true, f- true success. Making it to Jahannam. That's true failure. Everything that happens along the way, that's life. That is life. I need to recondition myself and reimagine things. Oh, I didn't get to become Dr. Fulan or Nurse Fulan or Mish'arif. I didn't get to this or that. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get this education or that education. Failure? No. No, that's not failure. That's perceived failure. That is perceived. It is an awful thing when someone defines success or failure by things that you could put your hands on. Why? Because anything I could put my hands on is what? Guess what? One day it's going to be gone. Right? One day it doesn't last forever. It doesn't, anything I could put my hands on, that, all of that stuff could dissipate and disappear. It's all temporary. How can I define my success by something that could be gone tomorrow? Right? How can I do it? You know, th- that's, that's insanity. Insanity is for a person to think that true success is something that could be slipped from under beneath my feet in the matter of a blink of an eye. No, no, but these are common understandings. You know what? The Prophet ﷺ even gives us this. You want to know the successful one? That's someone who's truly submitted to Allah, got themselves on the right path. And then besides that, they found their sustenance and their rizq in this dunya, whether it's uh, a, a minimum amount or a maximum amount. And then besides that, Allah gives him a sense of qana'ah. If I have a sense of qana'ah and a sense of ridha, I'm content, I'm satisfied. You know what? Then as Sheikh Ismail was talking about our Sudani brother, uh, who had... Sheikh Sheikh Yusuf. Hafizahullah. May Allah preserve him and give him more khair and barakah. Someone is able to make it through in their dunya on such minimal means and find happiness. And you will find something. If someone doesn't have qana'ah, guess what? Guess what? If someone doesn't have a sense of ridha and satisfaction, it doesn't matter what you put in their plate. Nothing will fill them. Whether they make a hundred K or a million or more. It's not going to be enough. Right? So I would caution the questioner. The beginning of how to find positivity after experiencing perceived failure and hardship is by reconditioning yourself to view things through a different lens. Wallahu alam. Nice. I love that. Exactly. You have anything no, to add, Sheikh? No, well, I, I wanted to say the more hardships you go through, the more successful you become when you get up, you know? Absolutely. It's all Absolutely. about how you deal with the hardship, like Sheikh Osama said. And true success at the end of the day is making it to Jannah. We don't learn success from what, you know, the media tells us or what New World people tell us or what YouTube tells us. We learn success from the Quran. Like Sheikh Osama said, he's uh, entering Jannah and making it to Jannah is true success. Allah, he says that whomsoever spares himself from the fire and he enters Jannah, 
He has won. He has succeeded. Success is what Allah tells us success is. Alhamdulillah, we are Muslim. We understand two concepts. And then, وَمَنْ حَيَاتُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ And what is this dunya except a deception, a decorated deception, you know? And it's always constantly changing. Uh, uh, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Inshallah, yeah. we'll come back to you. Uh, anyone have any comments or questions that you'd like to share uh, directly? Go ahead. Um, you said that, can you repeat it one more time? Jazakallah khair. Uh, just to, if anyone didn't hear her, uh, she said, I say to myself, I want to be positive, I want to be a good Muslim, and I try it out for a few days, and then I find myself giving up. And I, I, you know, I just, is there any way I could fix that to stay positive? Is that what you're saying? Stay positive and be, how can I do that? How can I stay positive? Look, you know, we're human beings with emotions. Like, let's just be, you know, very, very straightforward and plain about this. Look, you know, uh, we don't have everything figured out. You know, I, we got happiness and we got anger. You know, and, uh, anyone could claim that they've erased anger from, uh, from their, uh, uh, you know, palette of emotions. It's not possible, you know. Yeah, I could become more thick-skinned and, you know, I, I won't become very quick to get angry, but I will still have anger. I could redirect my anger and make it in a positive direction. But guess what? I'm not going to always get it right. I have hope, but then on the other side, I, you know, I have sadness. I get overcome by sadness sometimes. I, I get overwhelmed by my different situations. We're not perfect. That's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is don't set a too, uh, too high of a bar and too much expectation for yourself. It's okay if you feel sad tomorrow. It's okay if you feel down tomorrow. Uh, it happens. You look at, you know, even for our beloved, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, the Quran tells him, We know that you, you feel tight chested because of what they're saying. Um, Perhaps, O oh Muhammad, you would ruin yourself because they're not believing. Yeah, the Prophet was extremely, extremely distressed. By the fact that his people were rejecting and rebelling against Allah Azza wa Jal. And he wanted things to change for them. But that did not happen in a matter of a day. The, you know, the, what I'm trying to say is, look, it takes conditioning. Um, your circumstances and your situations that come in your life are going to shape your personality. It happens to all of us. We, we spoke about this last week, you know, uh, when we were talking about Gaza. Uh, you know, when we said 100 days. For the people of Gaza, by the way, it's not a hundred days, it's not a year, it's not ten years. It's a lifestyle. It, it becomes, it, it, you know, the way, they don't need to try to be who they are in the situation that they're in. They've learned that based on their lifetime of experiences. So what I'm trying to tell you, uh, sister, is, you know, as you grow up and you experience things, you will find, as long as you keep yourself going in the right direction, you know what, I'm trying to become a positive person. I'm trying to become a patient person. You will find that 
the more you grow and experience things, the more that the capacity to endure is going to uh, grow. I'm going to become... It's, it's something that you develop with time. You know, and look, look, the Quran says this. Look, what does the Quran say? وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُوا عَلَى مَا لَمْ تُحِطْ بِهِ خُبْرًا How can you possibly be patient with that which you've never experienced? Right? In the Quran, the other characteristic that we said, we said this last week, is linked with uh, experience, is gratitude. You know, It takes a lifetime of experience to develop certain characteristics. That's why the most impatient creation of Allah, who are they? You know, you remember? Uh, I don't know if you were here for that. Do you know who the most impatient creation of Allah are? You weren't here? Do you know the answer to it? Who, who's the most impatient? There you go. <laughs> the most impatient of Allah's creation are babies. They need to learn patience, right? Hungry? Cry. Um, uh, I need to change? Cry. Sleepy? Cry. So on and so, so forth. Cry and cry and cry. And then, uh, you know, even when they grow up a little bit, tell them, oh, we're, we're going to just wait a little bit and then we'll, we'll do this activity or that activity or we'll eat. No. Five minutes. No. Cry, cry, cry. I'm going to cry for the five minutes until you actually do it. Right? That's how babies are. You, t- t- you want me to be patient? I'm gonna, no. I, don't, I want it right now. Right? So anyway, uh, this is a reality of dunya. And the more I find myself dealing with these situations and growing, I will learn. I will learn to be positive. You know, I, I will see what negativity causes and I will feel the results of it many times over. And then, you know, I'll come to this realization. Wallahi, it's not worth being negative. Why the, heck, why the heck did I just ruin my mood and my attitude? What's the point? What did I get out of this feeling and doing and operating? And I'm going to start changing the way I operate. Wallahi, that's how I'd answer that question. You want to say something, sister? Absolutely. Jazakallah khair. Reading the stories of the prophets. You know what? Oh, you know what's the fast lane to figuring out things in life? Hey, uh, uh, you know, all young people, please listen to this especially. Uh, you know, you know what's the fast lane to figuring out things in life? Habibi Adam. You know what's the fast lane to figuring things out in life? You don't know it? I'll tell you it. Listen to people who've experienced things in life and you will learn things really fast. Right? Zakallah khair. You could continue going with your brownies. Um, uh, But no, I'm serious. I'm not even joking. Wallahi, the best thing that a person could do is listen to those who've experienced things that they haven't experienced yet. Wallahi, it's the best thing you could do. Wallahi, I, I know the back of, in, the back, in, in every person, young person's mind right now, uh, they're saying, no man, I don't want to do that. My parents, they don't understand a thing about life in their, in their 50s or 60s. Or that, that's a lot of young people think like that, right? Like, you know, going on 20 and they figured out everything in life. They don't need any nasiha for anything. Wallahi, everything figured out. I'm 20 years old and there's not a thing left to learn, right? No, please, you want to go to the fast lane of success? Listen to people who've experienced life. It'll save you a lot of pain and heartache. I, I say this, Sheikh. No, no, Sheikh, Allah, Sheikh uh, uh, yani I say this a lot. 
whoever, this is a sunnah of life. A sunnah of life says this, the one who does not listen to advice will stumble and fall on their face so many times over and over again. May Allah not make us from that. Ameen. Allahumma ameen. 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 Uh, I was going to say throughout my life as well, it was the same thing. Growing up, I would always think I knew everything. The younger I was, the more I thought I knew. And the older I grew, the more I realized I know nothing. So that's very true. Allahu Akbar. Zakhallah Khesh. Anyone else uh, have something? Doctor. Jazakallah khair. Uh, I'll summarize what Doctor said in a few words. Barakallah fikum. Sometimes we don't know where uh, certain paths are leading us in life. Sometimes I might hate something and it'll actually be great for me. Sometimes I might love something and it might end up being horrible for me. Wallahi, this is a sunnah of life. I'm sure you'd agree, Shaykh. Yani. Wallahi, I sometimes, uh, you know, and especially, you know, uh, people in their younger years where you have to make a lot of decisions to build out the rest of your life, keep this in mind. Sometimes you desperately want something to happen. I want this to happen. I really, really need this. I don't think I could live without this. I need this to happen. I need it to happen right now. And sometimes you might find if Allah actually gives you that, you might find yourself saying, man, I wish, didn't, I, wish I didn't get this. How could I have wanted this for myself? Oh my goodness, this is horrible. I wish I didn't do this. And so on and so forth. This happens. It's a sunnah of life. I don't know. I really don't know. Sometimes I think I got it figured out, but Qadr has something else waiting for me on the other side. So that's why I need to condition myself and shape my, uh, my, my temperaments towards things in that and way. To understand that Allah is all wise and Allah knows everything and you know nothing. You know? That's the whole beauty of istikhara is when you tell Allah Ta'ala, you tell Allah, you're able to do everything, and I'm not able to do anything. I'm incapable, and you're all capable. Uh, and you know everything, and I know nothing. And you know all the unseen. You know the unseen of the unseen, hidden under the unseen, behind the other unseen. And you don't know anything. And when you make istikhara for something specific, and then you embark on it, and it doesn't work out for you, this is not a rejection, this is an acceptance, 100% acceptance from Allah, because He's accepting your dua. And you may not know what's good for you. Allah knows everything and you don't know nothing. So you want this one specific thing, whether it's a job, whether it's a certain person to marry, whether it's uh, whatever it is, and you pray istikhara on it, and it doesn't work out, it not working out is acceptance, not a rejection, brother. It's an acceptance because you, you made dua for this. And Allah gave you what's best for you, whether you comprehend it or not. 
And maybe years down the line, you're going to see it. And you can say, subhanAllah, thank you, Ya Allah, for doing this to me. Alhamdulillah. And uh, this is all Iman in Islam. What a gift it is to have istikhara and these concepts. What, what a gift it is, you know? The non-Muslim doesn't have this gift. Yeah? The non-Muslim sees things as bad always as bad, and there's no good to it. The Muslim, he sees everything bad as good because it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. He sees bad as good because he's, uh, you know, you get a flat tire on the way to the airport and you miss your flight. The Muslim says, Alhamdulillah, inna lillahi wa inna He doesn't know what's best for him. Allah knows what's best for him, always. And when you have this, you're always in a positive attitude. There's one thing here, uh, you know, I think it's worthwhile mentioning. Uh, it says, some people have serious health issues, both mental and physical. It is harder uh, to be a better Muslim or person than any, than others for these people. Any advice? Uh, look, I would tell the questioner, um, just keep this in mind. Uh, actually, I, I don't believe that's the case. I don't think it's harder to be a better Muslim uh, for someone who is afflicted in their health, whether it's mental health or physical health. No, relax. You guys know there's a hadith Qudsi uh, that says, uh, that Allah says, Abdi, maridtu falam ta'udni. Oh, my servant, uh, I've become ill and you haven't visited me. Of course, this is not meant literally in any way. Uh, so the hadith, and this is actually an authentic hadith. So then the servant says, how can I possibly visit you and you're the Lord of the worlds? He says to him in response that Fulan became sick and you haven't visited him. If you had visited him, you would have found me in his presence. Right? So take, think about this hadith. What does this tell you? People of affliction are not far away from Allah. They're actually very, very close to Allah. Allah loves his servants. What is Allah going to get out of tormenting any human being? Any one of His creation? He wants us to grow through these experiences. He doesn't want to torment us. So I would caution the questioner. Pay attention here. Look, you might not feel it because you're in the midst of a big trial. You have a mental health issue. Uh, you, you're someone who's dealing with depression. You're dealing... Um, uh, with uh, uh, you know um, episodes because you're you know you you have a bipolar diagnosis or you're manic or whatever else it is, you might not feel a spiritual high because you just feel like so many different things are affecting you. But wallahi, in if the veil was removed, then you would find that Allah's rahma and His mercy is actually very near to you. Don't despair. Don't look at things at surface level. You can't see what's behind the closed doors. You know, there's a, this beautiful, Allah, I love this hadith. This hadith, tells, it takes us to the day of judgment. Uh, the, on the day of judgment, it is said that the person who had the most difficult life in dunya will be brought forward. And he will be put in Jannah for a moment and he'll be brought out. And then he'll be asked, did you see any difficulty in your life? And after he saw Naim al-Jannah, he'll say, La ma qat. I didn't see anything bad in my life. And then the, most, the one who had the most uh, you know, comfortable life will be brought forward. And he'll be put in hellfire for a moment. And he'll be brought out. Have you seen any goodness in your life? And he'll say, no, I have never seen anything good in my life after he saw the fire of Jahannam for a moment. Wallahi, things are not as they seem. You might find people so, so, you know, with such difficult lives, but in alam al-ghayb, Allah 
is preparing for them such great reward because of all the things they're dealing with. You know, on the day of judgment, the people who had it easy, when they see what Allah gives the people who had it hard, they will wish that they had it hard in their dunya so that they could get the reward, the reward that they're getting. Sometimes we can't see these things. We, can't, we don't know how they play out. Allah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Shaykh. May Allah increase your comfort. Anyone else before we close have any comments or questions? Any? Uh, go ahead. Of course, of course. So one of the things that is critical is that I need to, even on my inside, uh, make my nafs feel uh, grateful for all of the things that Allah has blessed me. If I do this, then I will find myself more positive towards things in life. You know, this is a very critical attitude. Sheikh Ismail, before we close, yeah. you know, I, I want to leave the floor to you. Any, I like what she said, being any, grateful and expressing gratitude makes you happy. Whether you're not, if you force it, like you fake it till you make it. Being grateful and expressing gratitude. Psychologists, they always say this. You talk and give affirmation, say, oh, I'm great, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm great. Instead of saying, oh, I'm miserable, I'm bad. And this is all Islamic, you know? So being, being thankful, saying alhamdulillah is Islamic. We know it before psychology, you know? And also, like, they say give affirmations daily. You know, say good things to yourself. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Say, I'm great, I'm happy. This is dua. You know, asking Allah for good, you know? We have this, the secret chico, we have it already. We have everything grateful. The what? And I see, <laughs> like, making nice dua every day, talking to Allah, saying good things. Allah, grant me good. You know, talking all the time to Allah in a good way and being optimistic. <laughs> is, it makes you happy, whether you're going through something difficult or not. And expressing gratitude makes you happy. And the Prophet he always says, look at those who are less fortunate than you, and you're always going to be happy. Look at the people of Gaza. You know, I'm, I'm complaining in my head about my certain uh, first world problem, and then I go on YouTube, and they have nothing going on in Gaza. And I feel miserable for having any complaint. Like, I feel embarrassed. Yeah. So look in the mirror and say yeah. good things to ourselves? Yeah, that's what they say. But we, we, <laughs> we, you could do that. <laughs> or you could just talk to Allah and say good things. Sheikh Ismail, this is the first time we had you at the fiery forum, but inshallah we're going to have you many inshallah. more times and we want to learn from your ilm. Inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve you and bless you inshallah. and Ameen. use you for goodness Ameen. to inspire everybody. Zakamallah uh, for coming today. Guys, next Friday, by the way, we're going to have uh, Ustad Zaid with us. It's going to be me and him. We're going to most likely have a Q&A, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, you're all, you're more, all welcome to join us, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, uh, for the next Friday forum. Barakallah feekum. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, 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 alham